0: Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Anna Brun. Anna is a singer-songwriter originally from Norway, who mostly resides in Sweden, although she's been in Norway since this pandemic began. And she has released many albums over her long and revered career, including several of which that have shot up the Scandinavian music charts. This fall, Anna saw fit to put out two separate albums: After the Great Storm, which arrived at the end of October, and How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow, slated for the end of November. In this chat, Anna and I discuss the choices behind each of those two projects, including what ended up dividing them in the first place. We also talk a bit about what her life has been like during this pandemic, as well as her deep fondness for cover songs, including a Bjork cover, which she performed in front of Bjork at an award ceremony. So thank you for listening, and please enjoy. This is me meeting Anna Brun.
1: Um, well thank you for uh, coming in. It's my pleasure. Where are you?
0: I'm in so, Connecticut uh right near New York. Yeah. Um where are you based these days?
1: Uh I usually live in Sweden. I've done that for almost 20 well 20 years this fall actually. Hmm. But uh in the last um 6 months I have been in Oslo, Norway.
0: So you've been spending a lot of the pandemic there.
1: Yeah, because mm. I have my partner there, and and um, it felt uh, didn't feel good to not be together in this Right. this time. So
0: yeah. So how have you? How have you been? How have you been um, doing this on this very strange year?
1: Well, I think the first couple of months were very scary uh, and kind of like uh, I don't know confusing I guess we were uh, I can I can imagine everyone felt the same way like kind of what's going to happen how long is this going to last and then you almost get used to it somehow Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: but I'm kind of at the moment I think it's a bit scary again you know it's it's winter time coming and
0: I know we're kind of rounding a corner to yeah to get things uh not so great anymore
1: and but then I feel there's a few things that have been nice about it too like just stopping everything and, and and get a chance to to feel how, how life can be when the tempo is lower.
0: Um, right, yeah. There's sort of like a quietness that comes with this, that we might not yeah. have been afforded otherwise or wouldn't have even known to look for otherwise.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: I think, I think a lot of people have been feeling that way, that it's sort of, yes, it's obviously, it's a crisis that I, we wish was not happening, but it does afford you time to be yeah. introspective and, and uh, thoughtful. I think. Yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it is.
0: Um, so you have two albums coming out. Um, were these completed before the pandemic?
1: Yeah, they all of the songs except one on the second album was written before it all everything happened, and uh, but I finished the album during the pandemic, so uh, we had, we had recorded all the big sessions with the big studio sessions. Um, but there were some additional recordings to do like vocals and backing vocals and, and, uh, like mixing and mastering and all that stuff. So when I went to Oslo and, uh, didn't go back to Stockholm, <laughs> uh, we worked remotely and, uh, Um, mixed the songs uh, remotely and uh, also had a a guy who worked in London for three of the songs so everything was kind of online Hmm. Uh, that worked fine Um, and also which one thing that was good about it was that I I was quite I when I look back I was quite stressed in the months before and I I didn't feel I had completely landed in all the recordings there were a few songs that I weren't happy with and I didn't really know how to get there. Uh, and what happened was that when I had the time to sit in the, the semi-lockdown that we had and listen, I made some really important decisions. There were like three or four songs that I had produced or we had produced like a bigger production and and I never really thought we had nailed those songs. Mm-hmm. So what I did was that I recorded them again in more intimate uh, versions and that's when they kind of landed so from having 16 songs or 17 with a new song uh, which I thought maybe wouldn't wouldn't that they wouldn't all be on the album I all of a sudden I had 18 songs including a, an acoustic version of one of the other songs and, so, and it felt so natural that when I listened to them it was, was so it was so natural that they were in two different rooms of music so It just became a natural thing to split them up
0: yeah i was going to ask if that was so that was not originally the intent you it was going to be one project and then you decided to split them up kind of late in the game
1: yeah i was i was planning to make after the great storm you know a big Mm -hmm. album with big production and beats and and kind of be ambitious about it but the songs didn't let me do that <laughs> cuz uh, they said oh no i don't i want to be a whisper i don't want to be uh, i want i don't want to be a 90s song i want to be a whisper did so... you say
0: did you say a 90s song
1: yeah that's l- so cause interesting
0: cuz i was yeah. thinking the same thing when i was listening to it and i thought i was yeah. i thought i was maybe a little bit crazy but i guess no, not it's true
1: a lot of inspiration comes from the music i listened to in the 90s like mm-hmm. massive attack and uh, DJ Shadow and all these like crossover jazz, electronica stuff. That was I don't know which which year you're born, but <laughs> from ninety five to, to two thousand. I was born in ninety three, so yeah. Okay, I'm a bit older than you then. But <laughs> when you were very tiny, I was at the dance clubs yeah. in Europe. <laughs> so um so I'm kind of I've I've kind of um, I went back to listen to that and also combination with the music from the 2010s like lots of great hip-hop sounds and, and uh, just being inspired by the soundscape of like Kendrick Lamar and Anderson Pack and mm. Sir S I. how do you say it? Do you say Sir S-I-R? What? I would. Yeah Sir? I guess so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, and also James Blake mm-hmm. um, like modern like music from today so a mix of that I wanted to make a a hybrid of of the things that I love um the sounds that I love and try to bring that into my own music because it's it's um this this after the great storm album if I talk about that only it's it very much reflects my own taste in music maybe mm-hmm. more than any of my albums before yeah it's so, definitely
0: um, I noticed um the, the the first album of yours that I feel like consistently is quite, kind of like you said, quite a large production. Um, it kind of rocks even at times. <laughs> and I feel like that's not always something that you've done, or at least not done often. Um, so, I yeah, I did kind of no. notice that kind of big production quality, lots of synths, lots of percussion, um, kind of almost anthemic in a yeah. way.
1: It's very much similar to what I've been doing on stage in the last... Three, four years. So I think that's also one of the reasons why this became what it became. Because right. I've had this really long tour after When I'm Free. We toured for three, four years and did oh, wow. like really like big band yeah. tours with seven people on stage. And I think my sound kind of expanded from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we should say, so we've been talking about After the Great Storm, which is out actually in a few days because we're recording on October 26th. Mm-hmm. And this comes out on October 30th. The other album, which I have heard, um, is quite different. Um, How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow, that's out November 27th. Um, And I did, I noticed um, something I actually had not noticed about your work in the past um, somehow, but you release on your own label. um, Balloon Ranger. And it seems like you've done that since 2011 with it all starts with one, I think.
1: I've actually been in this since the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, but I changed the name of the label.
0: Oh, that's probably uh, somewhere, why.
1: Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in mid 2000s. It oh, okay. was just because another friend had the same, and we wanted to just separate it right. financially. So. So um, what does it
0: what does it mean to you to be so um, independent with your label? Have you ever? So you've never released on another label? No. Oh, cool. I've only done license. <laughs>
1: I've done license deals in right. in like America and australia and that kind of stuff but but i've always done it and these days we try to do it purely independent all over the world because we can just buy all the things we need Mm -hmm. you know we can just hire the people we need to make it a as close to a big label release as you can yeah of course there are some muscles missing but but um we've when I talk about we, it's me and my manager who I met the, the year my, re- my first album was done and he helped me get it out um, and uh, he, he got me the distrib- my first distribution deal and it was through an, a record label that was called V2 Records, mm-hmm. which which actually from a very small ambitious uh, thought that I wanted to have an album, a real album uh, that would be in a store uh, within three months, it was all over Europe, which was mm. for me was quite big. And after that, I've toured Europe, I've toured the states, I've done a lot of international work, and we've kind of found a way to make it work. Uh, and it's the most important part of it: the choice is that it's fun, it's mm. uh, it's creative. We can we can do. Anything we want, as long as we have the budget and we can make decisions, you know, within an hour. We don't have to ask anyone. Right. We don't have to wait for schedules. We don't have to wait to fit in the PR schedule of the the company. Yeah, and I was going to say that I, independence
0: I, yeah. must be very nice.
1: For me, creative, creatively, it's been amazing because I think that has that's one of the keys for me. That how much I've ex, uh, expanded my sound, how much I've dared to challenge myself and, and kind of, I, I think I've done a lot of things, released a lot of things that I don't think a big label would let me do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I feel I have a very playful situation.
0: Yeah. I would, which is I would amazing. Say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in the fact that you have two albums coming out in one year, there are, you know, so many artists who would not be afforded that by their labels. Exactly. And you're also releasing them, basically one month apart as opposed to kind of as one combined thing (laughs) i was was wondering why are why aren't you releasing them on the same day are you trying to give people like time with the first one
1: yeah Mm. because you know because the after the great storm album is the big project it's the it's me trying to to expand it's me trying to uh, be brave and and um let people know that I'm moving forward somehow. Mm. Um, the singer songwriter part of me that is on the high, the other, the second album, is something I will always do, and I'll always refine it. It's always going to be a part of my music, and uh, that is something I know my fans will like, <laughs> <laughs> probably, <laughs> because they usually do like my soft, soft side. Uh, and I'm very proud of those songs too because they are, I think they are. The best work I've done in those that like kind of that kind of genre in many ways. Um, so, so it was part because I don't think my attention span lasts for ninety minutes anymore. Yeah. Uh, it would be ninety minutes to to release them on the same day and I love listening to albums, but I never really get past number eight or nine. <laughs> you know it's a there's always something going on. Someone calls you, or you, you you get an email, or you know you just the only place I can listen to music for hours is in a car when I drive mm-hmm. for a far. So, so and also just like kind of adapting the playlist thought, just like just step into this playlist and stay there, you know, like especially the second album, How Beauty, is a is a state of mind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Did the, um, that I want to give to people.
0: Do the songs? Did the songs on After the Great Storm start out similarly to the quieter songs, or did you always start them large?
1: Oh, they—they they, all songs except maybe four of these two albums started out large, large because okay. I wanted that. That was what I was re- looking for. But uh, then I just had to strip down a few of them. Right. So. Because I wanted to try to fit them in a bigger production, but the the two to the two albums fit together lyrically. So okay. that that's also the reason why I released them in the, the same year and the same. Right. Period. So they
0: they they link up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did also another thing that I feel like a lot of artists on bigger labels or other labels don't get to do. You put out I think seven singles. <laughs> From no, these two albums, is it nine? <laughs> I yeah. know. I felt like I, I felt That's, like I couldn't uh, keep up. Uh, it seemed like every week there was a yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Every third week actually it was our plan. Okay. But then we had some. with a little bit longer spaces in the summer, but the, it was an experiment, and it's it was funny because I talked to my British PR uh, person, and he was kind of just like when i when i first heard you were doing that i thought you were mad like crazy <laughs> you know i don't know how that's going to work and uh, we just felt like trying it because we made we try to make made make every release interesting in its own way like make videos and and write about it and i was trying to make content around it and just kind of see if i could give the songs
0: a mm. chance
1: to get that space that they they want and Quite a lot of the songs, especially on After the Great Storm, are quite. They have a lot of information, uh, and there's a lot of de- details. And mm-hmm. so I thought I thought it was interesting to see if I could get my fans to come with me on this journey, and and it has been for me very rewarding. And I have really good feedback from people, and also I can see my my following is growing on Spotify and. On streaming and and I can on on Instagram, everything's just kind of growing mm-hmm. through the year. So somehow it's been good, I think.
0: Well, in a way, it's yeah. sort of um, that approach is sort of like tailor made to this moment because
1: mm-hmm.
0: not only are people home a lot more this year than they would have been and have a lot more space and time in their lives yeah. than they would have, so you're giving people these songs kind of throughout the year to kind of you know they 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 check in every now and then, but also for better or worse, you know, the format of the album has been sort of encroached upon over the past few years by singles and streaming mm. and mixtapes and playlists. So by doing this, you're kind of, you're, you're like leaving little crumbs for the people who typically would only do that, but then mm. they all lead up to this larger project. And even exactly. though, you, I mean, you release nine, you say nine singles, there are what in total, you said 17 songs?
1: 18, 18 including songs? one acoustic version. Right, the the
0: the after the I mean mm. the um Don't Run and Cry, Don't yes. Hide and Cry, sorry. Yeah. Um so that's a lot of songs to release as singles but then you also have a lot more that are still surprises for people. So yeah. it's not like you spoiled the whole album or anything. No. <laughs> um and I also noticed you did a few I think you did a few um like listening parties online where you would yeah. actually go yourself mm. and check in with people who were listening. What was that yeah, like? Yeah, that
1: was it was amazing. I I came up with it in the beginning of the pandemic because I was just thinking, what am I going to do to get this music out and just kind of figuring out what to, I felt like I have to be creative. And I think the DIY side of me just kind of woke up and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like how, what I did from the start when I started my label. Mm. Um, just okay. So I invited fans into one of those conference platforms, like, not Zoom, but a Norwegian one called Whereby, and you could you could, just log in and I would be there and there were up to 50 people in the room and ha- about 12 was on camera uh, and I invited people to come in and I would play the new single for them, or the video mm-hmm. and we could watch it together and listen to it together. and I even made a video of one of those because I taped the screen with everyone's uh, permission. <laughs> I taped the screen while they were talking and listening to the music and it's really beautiful video from for the the song Trust you can find it on my YouTube. you can kind of see the whole atmosphere of the that meeting because that was this was like in the peak of the lockdown where people were really not going outside at all and so there were people from you know central Italy. <laughs> there were people from. Indonesia, Australia, New York, Los Angeles, London, Holland, all over Europe, South America. And everyone was in this room. Everyone was in the same situation. Mm. And it it was very, very special and real in a way. And I had these amazing chats with people. We talked about everything. And also just those kind of meetings with fans that I don't get to do so much because when I'm on tour I don't do meet and greets after the show because I'm exhausted and I'm also worried about getting a cold you know that kind of stuff so I'm kind of like um I don't do those meeting so much but this was just amazing to be able to connect in this way uh, so I did that a few times and uh, I really think I'm going to try to con- continue doing that in the future as well because it's a it's a good way to um, to see who who's listening to me. yeah kind of see what kind of people are out there.
0: yeah, i'm I'm curious about things like like this that seem to be so born out of this um, quarantine and sort of that that sort of seeking out human connection. I'm so curious to see which mm. which of these methods are going to continue, how many people are going to continue yeah. them because some of them have been quite cathartic and quite beautiful.
1: I think, it's, I think that the, the connection is the key word that if you can do a digital meeting and feel connected, really feel connected, if it's made in that way, I think it definitely can be a worthwhile space to bring into a post pandemic world.
0: <laughs> Where Whenever that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, something else that I had never seen someone do, uh, the thing that um, Jens Leckman did this year, um, mm. where he would like call random, randomly Skype call fans wow. and like sing them a song and then move on to the next one and sing them a That's song. That's amazing. Like one person concert. It's like just these these sort of um, creative ways to connect again, because mm-hmm. so many people, especially musicians who are so used to being on the road, aren't getting that so much right now. So yeah. it's, it's been really interesting to see the, the ways that people go about it
1: i think it's really symptomatic of of what we feel as musicians that at least if i speak for myself the the whole playing music for people is <laughs> it's like that is kind of the way that the music comes alive and that's how how you feel that you can identify as a musician It's, it's when you play it for people or mm-hmm. if you if you get out there and um um I think it's something we need to oh, definitely keep doing things, you know,
0: and you are, and you mentioned you toured three or four years after when I'm free. So you, you are a pretty ambitious tour touring musician. So when do you like, how are you feeling about touring right now? And, and do you have any sort of um, inclination to do online concerts or are you, are you kind of looking elsewhere?
1: Well, I I had a big tour in the fall that we just um, moved to next year. Okay. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm gonna stay low for a while and see what happens. And because because of politics, that you can't you know they're gonna sell tickets and I can't do another show before right. that. But but um, I've done like a couple of acoustic things on on that like the listening room that I've and all these kind of things. That's been lovely, but. I haven't really done a public big live stream and it's, it's something I'm kind of curious of how we should do those gigs that makes people focus on it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the the Billie Eilish thing that she just didn't see what that was. And people are recreating it all the time and see what it can develop into. Um, and will people sit down and watch live streams when this is over? I'm not I know. sure.
0: I don't know either. Um, I've watched a few in quarantine, but I probably could count the number of ones I watched before quarantine on one hand. Mm-hmm. You know, Because yeah. even though I'm not going to concerts every night, there's something about being able to that makes mm-hmm. me not seek those internet concerts exactly. out as much. So yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I wonder if those will really continue. I do think on the one hand, Um, I think I was I was talking with um, Mira about this, about Mm -hmm. how, yes, it's it's so different because you're possibly you're alone in the room um, and sort of singing into a device and hoping that there's people there. But -hmm. if there are people there, it is sort of nice that it's people from everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, she has fans or anyone would have fans from multiple cities, multiple countries kind of coming together. Maybe people who couldn't have seen you before, Mm. you know, things like that. So there, there is, there is a, a a nice quality to it, but it's, you know, nothing replaces a real show.
1: Yeah. I think if, I think that if we can create it into something that is not a live show and is something else, you know, that you Mm. you try to create a, a quality in that that you can't experience anywhere else like on a live show like if you if you can make it intimate in a way that you would never get at a real stage mm-hmm. i think that could perhaps make it survive
0: yeah that's possible it's like something something just totally different that you that, like you said that you would never get elsewhere mm. yeah that's possible it's just that especially albums like after the great storm it seems like they were created with performance so in mind yeah you know like they're so the songs mm-hmm. on on that specifically on that part of the or that album um are louder they are they're so mm-hmm. alive um it sounds like quite a bit of it was performed live or recorded live yeah. I don't know if that's true yeah.
1: quite a lot of the songs are yeah alive.
0: so yeah I just I'm glad that you were able to move your tour I know not everyone was able to do that yeah. um hopefully hopefully we're back in action by then um next fall sounds so far away but (laughs) it's not unfortunately i hope we're Mm -hmm. i hope we're okay by then um so another thing i wanted to to talk about for a bit was um you are also quite well known for your covers that you do Mm, um you actually a few years ago put out a covers album an entire covers album um is that the first but is that the first covers album you've done?
1: yeah, I could say that i I released something called Rarities a few years back, oh right uh, where I kind of just put everything I had on my artist that hasn't been released right, right, right. <laughs> in one album, and there were a few covers on that, and many of those are very popular uh, so um in a way that was kind of a covers album, but mm-hmm. it also included some original material, so this was the real covers album, yeah.
0: And you also, you, 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 you do a lot of covers live in your shows as well. Um,
1: I ch- try to mix them in.
0: Right. What, what is it about covers? Because your, your covers don't, they're not just like, you know, perfunctory. You looked up the chords and you're covering them. They're very thought out and considered. And you can tell that it's a very deliberate choice that you're making. What is it about mm. covering someone else's work that appeals to you?
1: It's a creative process. And it's uh, it's inspiring to me to not always have to start with a white sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. You have something. You have like a, you have uh, ingredients that you can work on. Um, it's like taking a dress and sewing it that it fits you somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's been you know it's it's been part partly it's been uh, projects that I've been asked to do. Like, mm. can you do this song for at this TV show? And can you do this for this commercial or this movie? Or can you do this for this party or this concert? And then I sit down and do my versions. But also many of them are just choices that I made because I felt like doing it. Like uh, one thing of um, Amari, for instance, is a, mm. one of the things mm-hmm. I've done many years ago. Just because I really love that song. It's like, how, can I Can I even do that? It would be crazy if I could do that with a guitar, you know? And. Yeah the Arcade Fire song, and just uh, I'm trying to to just pick out the elements of those songs that I really love and just see if I can uh, <laughs> express them somehow yeah. with my own voice and my, my own, just say the words in a different way.
0: Right. Um, one of the covers of yours that you have been doing for quite a few years um, is Halo. Um, by Beyonce. I feel like that's one of the more maybe it's just because it's a Beyonce song but it's one of those one of the more um, well-known covers I'd say of yours or those videos of you performing it you know they get a lot of views. Um, What drew you to that song?
1: I was actually quite it's quite funny to think about because I was on tour in 2009 I think it was with like a very special setup with four female voices cello and me on guitar. So we had a lot of like backing vocals and harmonies, and we we used to sing that one like when we were warming up backstage, mm. like the original version, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I remember I was going to record a Eurythmics cover for uh Amnesty project. Ooh. And did, did, then,
0: you ever, did you ever do
1: that? Yeah, yeah, I did that too. It's it's out there. Oh, which
0: Eurythmics um, song is that?
1: Uh, it's all right babies oh, coming back
0: i didn't even know that was i have to look <laughs> that up
1: <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, me and the cellist linnea Urson, we were in the studio and i said, like, can we just try to make a version of halo wouldn't that be fun you know that kind of it was just like for fun and then we put that in on the hard drive and it was there for a while and then when we were doing the rarities album we just kind of me and my manager said that is quite cool that version let's just <laughs> release it you know and now it's 50 plus million views or mm-hmm. streams so it's a good example of how having fun can be a good thing
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean that that version of it it doesn't sound like something that was just off the cuff you know it sounds pretty considered
1: yeah it, it felt that it's a lot of credit to Linnea there who, who created that beautiful atmosphere with her cello
0: do you know if Beyoncé's ever heard of
1: (laughs) well i don't really know but it was it was has been synced to this uh this hollywood teen film which was called if i stay oh yeah yeah and for that to be accepted it had to go through them Mm -hmm. so but probably you know probably it's just her (laughs) her publisher who takes care of that i don't really even want to there to think about that she's heard it
0: <laughs> I know it's, so. it's, it's like the, this like untouchable like
1: force yeah. you know? yeah.
0: um, another one of yours that I, I like quite a bit that I, is a video I watch quite often if I'm you know going down a live footage rabbit hole on YouTube mm-hmm. is um, your Bjork cover Yeah, yoga which mm. you actually performed in front of her
1: mm-hmm. My what was that, that experience was so like? scary thing. I, I
0: can't even fathom that
1: Oh my god! I was so scared.
0: <laughs> were you? In, were you asked to do that?
1: Yeah, that was um, a Polar Prize. It's Polar Music Prize is a Swedish uh, music award, and mm-hmm. uh, where they give it to to inspiring artists and Björk was the artist that year. And the production asked me if I could do that song, uh, and I remember standing on stage. I'd never met her before, and standing on stage, she was on the front row, and I just I remember thinking. I I think my heart probably shows on TV because it was pounding so hard. And the first the very first phrase is like uh, my voice breaks. It's like, Oh, this accident.
0: I don't I don't think I ever noticed that. No, but it,
1: that's my nerves and then I just kind of went into it and, yeah. and as soon as I opened my mouth I always kind of connect and I start focusing, but I couldn't I couldn't look at her once, you know.
0: Oh no, I would never have been able oh to look God. at her.
1: Oof. But then I met her after. She came over to me actually and thanked me, and that was really sweet. She yeah, was really nice. sweet.
0: I know that would be like from like she's so one of my idols, you yeah. know. And um, <laughs> I'm I know I'm not the only one. And it's I w- I was just talking the other day about how risky it can be when you're in those scenarios with your idols, mm-hmm. you know, meeting your yes. idols sometimes. So. I can only shouldn't imagine. Talk to
1: them. <laughs> yeah, you
0: normally you probably shouldn't, because no. um, you're just you know it's if you get let down it's it hurts mm. so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just I can't imagine the 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 fear I would feel if I was having to do that <laughs> right in front of her. Um, it makes me mm. think. I I also always watch. I don't know if you've ever seen um, First Aid Kit performing mm-hmm. the. Emily Lou song for Emily yeah, Harris. yeah that's
1: a beautiful that video is moment. so
0: sweet it yeah. makes me want to cry and she's crying and i'm just like yeah, I, it's like it's another so instance where i like i couldn't even imagine they're so composed mm-hmm. i can't imagine
1: they're such pros
0: i know and they're so young yeah.
1: they make yeah. me they
0: make me feel so like envious sometimes because i'm always like you, ah, they, yeah they're so young
1: <laughs> they're amazing they sing on one of my songs what'd you say on uh, they sing on one of my songs oh don't
0: they sing on
1: 2010, 2010 album um, Is it a do you remember
0: do you remember right I think yeah. I knew that um
1: they were then they were really young <laughs> I know they were
0: like sixteen <laughs> yeah i I just I'm always amazed when people do that so young yeah right um but yeah so I just i I watched that video quite often um I've watched a lot of your covers uh i i I appreciate your your pj harvey cover mm, uh you. you know make you feel my love you have s- such an eclectic um <laughs> taste of covers is it, is it is it really as simple though as what you said like you kind of just try to sing the songs you like
1: yeah somehow sometimes i, I dig into them because it's fun like mm. uh, i want to know what love is for instance mm. it's just like okay what can this be done in a different way because there's that's such a there's a desperation in that that i really connect to and it's kind of it can fit into my repertoire quite quickly if i just took the lyrics like from from earlier albums Mm. about longing for love and all that stuff Uh, so i was kind of thinking maybe i should try to is it possible to put this in a different room and um so it's a bit like a challenge and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but um it's fun when it does (laughs)
0: Um, So before we go, I wanted to ask, um, since we've been in quarantine, has there been uh, any music or film or writing that's been sort of keeping you afloat these days?
1: Mm, I've listened a lot to music Mm. because I always have done that. I'm I'm very much of I listen to new music all the time. So I try to listen to podcasts with the new releases and I. Uh, when I was a girl, young girl, I had Mojo in my mailbox mm. every month. So, and I worked at record stores for years. So oh, I'm nice. kind of kind of have like a uh, it's a habit to search for new music. So there's a very long list of good music <laughs> that I've uh, that I have discovered this year. Maybe it's like Phoebe, Phoebe Rogers? no, Phoebe, Phoebe Bridgers? Bridgers Bridgers, yeah It's yep. one new new thing I've discovered. And also, uh let's see if i can remember uh krangbin i don't know how to spell it Kr- krangbin oh. is, is the one k-r-u is an instrumental oh band.
0: i don't know if i know that one
1: it's really cool instrumental band so um, so music is always there uh i've listened a lot to podcasts and mm-hmm. Me um, watching this French spy series, <laughs> but it's it's almost like for me it's been hard to, because uh, this situation is ongoing all the time. You know, it's there and it's you're just you're always on, you kind of like waiting to see what's happening all the time. It's never really like you can never really breathe out. It's like okay, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's not like when you go to a cabin and you relax and you read a book
0: yeah certainly it's not a retreat (laughs) no
1: it's not a retreat (laughs) it's far from it well well said Uh, so it's i don't think it's that easy for me to kind of indulge in literature and and strange movies and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but so i hope that I, I had a plan that I would do that, but
0: no. I know. I have a I have a bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now of mm-hmm. books I've never read. <laughs> and I swore yeah. I would read like at least yep. a few this year. I probably haven't even opened one. Right. Because it's Ugh. just so much. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's horrible, but it's just it's been so much more um, up my alley to do really easy things. You know, yes. like even listening to music to me is easier because yeah. it's just yeah. sort of like you just put it on. Yeah. and you let it happen or even get like, like I keep watching movies or television shows that I've already seen mm-hmm. because it's familiar you need
1: escapism right, right?
0: and that's kind of what it is yeah. and yep. I could read these books but but it, it, it feels like you know it takes so much more effort than I feel yeah, like I have no. right now and I, I, I wish know. that wasn't true but it is
1: I totally know what you mean.
0: <laughs> well just, think just thank you admit it. yeah I know that's what I'm doing I'm trying to admit it yeah. to myself mm-hmm. um Thank you so much for talking to me, Anna. The Um, same, Jeremy. The two albums are called After the Great Storm, which by the time this comes out will already be out. And Mm -hmm. um, How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow is out November 27th. Um, They're both really lovely records, and I really appreciated you taking a little bit of time to chat with me about them today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Take care. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Good luck next week. (laughs) Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.